Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I'm your co-host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, and joining me in the virtual studios in South Bend, Indiana, is not man's best friend, but he's certainly one of my best friends, Ken Hellenius. <laughs> Ken, how you doing, my brother? I am very well, thank you. That is an incredibly creative way to describe our friendship. <laughs> I feel like I should get a good pat on the head. <laughs> Maybe a scritch behind the ears. <laughs> it's so good to be with you, Deacon. Um, yeah, it's great to be with you too, my friend. Yeah. So what's been... going on at ND? Lots, lots going on there. Right? Lots going Your on, job, yeah. Even though it's summertime. It is summertime, which just means instead of it being a regular undergraduate and graduate students, it's lots of visitors uh, coming for conferences and things. I was mentioning to you that in the last few weeks here at the DeNicola Center, we've hosted hosted and, and taken part in conferences with the University Faculty for Life National Organization. So that that's a wonderful group of professors and faculty and staff from all sorts of schools across the United States that are both at, at schools with, uh, you know, kind of religious uh, background as well as secular schools who are fighting the good fight and working to promote the dignity of all human life at schools. And so I went to part of that conference and heard some great talks. I went in, sat in on a session on art, the pro-life message in art, including especially uh, secular art and kind of uh, contemporary artworks. And it was a really fantastic session in which these professors, you know, kind of kind of walked us through looking at art at a particular piece of art and how they see messages that uh, promote dignity, uh, the dignity of, of all human life. It was it was really, really fantastic. So that was the University Faculty for Life conference, which was here on campus. And then uh, in the last week, we also hosted at our office at the DeNicola Center for Ethics and Culture, we hosted our annual VITA Institute, our pro-life intellectual training program that brought 50 pro-life leaders from around the world to campus. And we literally had people from around the world, Australia, Poland, Canada, uh, Guatemala, uh, the United States, of course, from all over the United States in all sorts of different works, all sorts of different ministries. We had actual physicians, we had lawyers, we had people who run pro-life um, pregnancy clinics, we had law students, we had um, two sisters of life from the wonderful organization that the religious community founded by uh, Cardinal O'Connor in uh, New York City that uh, works with pregnant women in and provides support for women and families in New York City. So it was a wonderful, wonderful, um, life-affirming week. That's the best way to describe it, as well as then wonderful intellectual formation, everything from uh, embryology to the philosophical, when does life begin, you know, uh, what are the arguments for uh, abortion that are proposed often by pro-choice people, and how do we counter those? How do we point out the flaws within those arguments that, uh, and and how do we build a wonderful argument for, uh, for uh, the dignity and equality of all human life? So it was a fantastic week. Oh, great. You know, and for me, I love this time of year. You know, uh, well, this time it changes every year, but I, I, I love these uh, Sundays after Pentecost, 
you know, Holy Trinity and then right. Corpus Christi. <laughs> just, it's just awesome, man. Those are just a great way to kind of continue the spirit of, you know, of just great um, found, kind of foundational truths of our faith celebrated, yes. you know, one after the other after the other. It's just it's just phenomenal. And of course, now that we've had Corpus Christi Sunday, um, just want to remind our listeners, including our new listeners now uh, from Spirit Catholic Radio. Uh, now we, we are in Nebraska, the entire state of Nebraska and Western Iowa as well now. So welcome to the Livingstone family. Yes. Uh, you can go back and listen to our, we did 10 episodes on the U.S. Bishop's document that came out on the Eucharist. Um, and so I, we invite you to go back and listen to those 10 episodes uh, if you didn't get a chance to listen to it. Again, as a way of entering more deeply into this three-year um, this three-year kind of deep dive into really coming back to the Eucharist as the source and the summit of our faith, the kind of a center of our lives as Catholics. The U.S. bishops has have has a wonderful initiative, and it's wonderful that uh, that we can in some way contribute to that by by talking about the wonderful document that they put out. So I want to encourage our listeners to go back and listen to, to those episodes. And you can always find those previous episodes of the show at materdeiradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I-R-A-D-I-O.com. Just uh, click on the programming uh, tab there and you'll find us under Living Stones. And again, archive of all the shows going back. If you can believe this, we've been, we've been talking Deacon together for 346 previous episodes wonderful conversations uh, together uh, over the years and just an ob ability to share the joy of being catholic to share the the joy of the truth really is what this has been all about for these last oh so many years yeah oh, amen i've i've enjoyed every minute of it i tell you ken it's been great me too and uh, but now we, you know we decided to focus uh started a, a few weeks ago talking about the holy spirit can't you know, do much better than that before, ex exactly you know we mentioned before that we talked about John Paul's II's document on the Holy Spirit, Dominum et Vivificantem, the Lord and Giver of Life. But but we have never just thought, you know, a kind of dove into the Holy Spirit ourselves and really examined the the uh from scripture and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit impacts our prayer life and all of that. So we thought, you know, in the spirit of Pentecost, you know, a few weeks ago to come up the Holy Spirit, let's let's focus on the Holy Spirit. And so where we uh, left off, we we're talking about the Holy Spirit in the Old and the New Testaments. And we left off talking about in St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, because what St. Paul does, it's not so much a theology of the Holy Spirit, but he talks about how the Holy Spirit is very practical in our lives every day and, and really helps us to live our, our Catholic faith, our, our, our belief in Jesus Christ, even in the midst of adversity, you know, um, to, to, as he says, put on the mind of Christ, you know? Um, so it's not just the intellectual, but it's also the spiritual as well. And Paul marries those two, two things beautifully. And in Galatians, he says, live by the spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. Yeah, And, and you, you see this theme going back and forth in St. Paul about the things of the spirit and the things of the flesh. So when he means by desires of the flesh, he means worldly things. Right, right. He, do, he doesn't mean, yeah, of course, I mean, like sexual temptation and gluttony, and of course, those kinds of things. But, but uh, actually, in Greek, the word has has two meanings. It means flesh on the bone, the way Jesus used it in John six. 
but it also means worldly things, things of the world, material things. And that's what he's talking about here. When he's talking about living by the spirit, he's talking about living according to the mind of God, right? Living our Catholic faith. That doesn't mean we reject the things of the world, but we have to live in the world, but not of the world. <laughs> See, so, so it's the Holy Spirit that helps us really to live counterculturally, you know, to not live according to what the world says is important, um, but live according to the, to the mind and the heart of God. So he says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and desires of the spirit against the flesh. So we see the tension there. Right. He says, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, these are all qualities that we should be living or attempting to live in our life every day that's strengthened by the sacraments, particularly the Eucharist. So this is one of those little verses and we can go back and read over and over again. This is Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 16. By the way, if you want to pick up your, your scriptures. Pick and, up and, and read. read for yourself. Yeah. Yep. So when you go to adoration, you know, maybe, you know, a, a good thing, one of the things that I do is when I come across a scripture verse, like if I'm reading a Bible on the plane or something like that or in a hotel, I will put it into my notes on my phone and, and then I'll go back and I'll reflect on it in adoration. So I'll take those verses, the one that really kind of hit me or kind of impacted me as I was reading it. And when next time I go to adoration, I will you know, have the scripture with me and I'll be able to, to meditate, you know, on that scripture and, and think about how I can incorporate that better into my life. Or I, can I change some things in my life to better uh, be a better vessel and vehicle for love and joy and peace and patience, and all the wonderful things that Paul talks about um, in Galatians. Yeah. You know, a couple things come to mind as you're reading St. Paul here, writing about the, the opposition between the spirit and the flesh. And, and I'm really glad that you pointed out that Paul here is not actually saying flesh is bad, because, of course, that is what we celebrate in the incarnation of Christ. Christ ennobling once again the very existence of creation, the very flesh of which we are made, Christ saw was so good that he took it upon himself. He became incarnate in the womb of the Virgin Mary by the action of the Holy Spirit. So Christ himself shows the Spirit working through flesh and in flesh to ennoble all creation. Uh, and that's the beginning of you know the very rebuilding, what Christ came to redeem us on the cross begins with the incarnation. So St. Paul doesn't say at all that flesh is bad, but it's those desires for actually, I think of it even as Paul is counseling against a pure materialism as well, saying when we live for the flesh, what we are saying is only that which I see, touch, and taste is real. Everything else is not real. And so that, of course, excludes all of spirituality. That excludes even God from your existence when you focus only on what you can see and measure. Of course, this is the great temptation of our day, especially. Not necessarily because of those you know, sexual sins, but actually because of the allure of saying, if we can't measure it, it doesn't exist. You know, saying trust the science as it will is to exclude at its extreme. It's to exclude the realities of the spirit. And that's really what Paul is 
hinting at here and in, and trying to call our attention to do not exclude the spirit but focus on and and make room for understanding god and the spirituality uh and the holy spirit itself and so that's something that comes to mind as i read paul's letter to the galatians here um and then those wonderful fruits of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness generosity faithfulness gentleness self-control these are i I read uh, an author who wrote and said these are really attributes of god himself god is love we know this of course saint john even affirms this in his letters god is love how can god be love but through that indwelling of one another in the three persons in the spirit love is what binds them and what they share with one another such in such abundance that it overflows into creation and god invites us to become part of invites us into that inner life of the trinity that love the joy of rejoicing in the other that's really what love is right peace patience all of these attributes these fruits of the spirit are what we are called to live in our own lives and that we can do by asking the holy spirit to dwell in us which he already is by virtue of our baptism so this is a wonderful wonderful uh, passage so i'm really glad you shared this from galatians 5 with us yeah and that's a great insight because the the overemphasis on materialism, because remember, at that time, the, the, the Jewish people and the early Christians were living within the Roman pagan culture. Right. And one of the, um, the people during that time was Epicurus. And Epicurus really, in my mind, is kind of the, one of the founding fathers of atheism. Because, the, and, and in fact, when you study philosophy, it's Epicureanism, it's called. And he, he said that you maximize things that give you pleasure. And you minimize things that give you pain. So, so his whole thing was, you know, just focus on the things of the flesh that are pleasurable, and you put aside those things of the flesh that that are painful. Right. You know, but he, but it's a very materialistic view of the world, and that's exactly what he taught: that you focus on the things that give you pleasure, the things of this world that you can see, taste, touch, measure, quantum, because that, all that other stuff doesn't matter. When you die, there's nothing. That's just the end. So live for pleasure just live you know and as and that that really makes no sense because we're not only not connecting with god but we're not connecting to the deepest longing of our hearts our hearts are always longing and searching for more that's why when people have money you know and again again having being wealthy and having money is not a bad thing uh remember because the scripture says it in first timothy uh the love of money is the root of all evil Right. So is that disordered love of material things, not the material things itself. It's a disordered attachment to those material things that becomes the problem. But when they have all those things and and they have that disordered attachment, it never satisfied. It never satisfied. They always want more and bigger and better, you know, um, because it's not really satisfying the deepest longing of the heart, which is really for union with God. Yeah. And, and and that's what we need to share as Catholics, you know, more more explicitly in this culture. It's 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 about relationship, you know, and that's why I think Kim, we're losing a lot of our young people, you know, because the way we teach the faith sometimes is laws and rules and commandments and catechisms, which are there for a reason, because God because God loves us, and, and but if we just focus on that, okay, that's the faith. 
then we lose the fact that those things help to bring us into relationship with Christ. It's first and foremost about relationship and intimacy with God. And the rules and the commandments, you know, help us, you know, to facilitate that. But if if, if we don't emphasize the relational piece, then what do our kids focus on? The materialism of the world. And so I think this is a very important passage here from, from Paul, because he helps us to really focus on um, how we can really have true joy in life. Absolutely. And that's what we're called to enter into. And that's, uh, and I'm grateful for that. You know, earlier I mentioned, what is, what is our, what have our conversations at Living Stones been all about for these many years? The joy of being Catholic, the joy of being in relationship with one another. Part of what makes this so fun and, and joyful is the fact that we are sharing our faith with one another and sharing our faith with our countless you know, friends around the world who listen to the show and who uh, are, are kind enough to send us notes and say, gosh, I, I love listening to Living Stones. And we're, we love having this conversation and having you part of it. So uh, we pray for you. Yeah. I know I pray for all of the listeners of Living Stones. I pray for everybody who supports Catholic Radio. I, I pray for you, Deacon, because you guys are, <laughs> you're my friend, you know, you're my brother in Christ. Yeah. And that's the single most important part of our relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I'm hoping that uh, the folks who listen to the show will really, you know, uh, when they say they enjoy it, it, it's great. And we love doing it and we're going to continue to do it. Right. But but when you, you take what we're, hopefully there's something that we say, you know, or that helps you reflect more deeply on the scriptures, but also on your own life and in, incorporate some of these things more deeply into your lived experience and then to share that experience with others right and not to keep it to yourself that's the key we cannot continue to just keep our faith to ourselves it's something that's beautiful and needs to be shared amen you know and um again but and sometimes you say well i i can't do what you guys do you know well then do what you're called to do i mean in, in the roman saint paul preaches that the spirit comes to the aid of our weakness right so weak, weakness is not something that we should be afraid of or avoid, but you know, uh, but understand, yes, this weakness is a part of who I am, but the spirit of God comes to the aid of weakness, Paul says, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the spirit intercedes with inexpressible groanings, right? We do not know how to pray as we ought. Now, that's a very interesting little phrase there. Um, wh- what does he mean? We do not know how to pray as we ought. Well, let's see. We know how to pray, right? Because Jesus gives us the Our Father, and, right? and we and we can recite many prayers. I mean, many Catholics know the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Glory be to the Father, the Angel of God, and a, a, a bunch of other prayers by heart. You know, they've memorized them ever since they were kids or RCIA, you know, when they started going through that process to come into the church, started memorizing those prayers. But it's not enough to say the words, I think, what what Paul is meaning here. Um, It's not just enough to recite the words. uh, It's about living those words and incorporating them into our life. But the Spirit intercedes with inexpressible groanings. So the Spirit will remind us. The Spirit will you know, nudge us, <laughs> you know, uh, the spirit will, um, uh, will, will, you know, when we're asking for a deeper share of God's spirit, you know, the spirit will come and, uh, and fill us, you know, that enable us to enter more deeply into the life of, of, of prayer. And he says, the one who searches hearts knows what is the intention of the spirit 
because it intercedes for the holy ones according to God's will. So the Spirit enters into our life to help us to live God's will more perfectly. You know, I read this about the Spirit interceding with these inexpressible groanings, and I, I'm reminded of an experience I had when I met Pope St. John Paul II. And um, I went to morning mass in his, I was invited with, with some friends to morning mass in his chapel in the papal apartments. And we were ushered into um, the, the chapel and you turn the corner and, and the Holy Father was already sitting there in, uh, his, in his chair uh, in front of the altar. And so we filed in and we, we sat down and, and uh, you know, he was offering his pre-mass prayers. And it was dead silent in the chapel, except for the sound of the Holy Father groaning in prayer. And you could hear, I don't know what, you know, we, we don't know what the, the prayer was, but we know that the Holy Father was deeply enmeshed in talking to God in the Holy Spirit. And it's impossible for me to this day to tell you what it sounded like but how much it made me enter into prayer with the Holy Father at that very moment. And so it was clearly the Holy Spirit helping him pray for us, for the entire world, for all of these, as St. Paul says, the intentions of the Spirit were being expressed through the groans of this holy man from Poland, who was John Paul II. And we, too, who were gathered with him in prayer that morning, prayed also for those intentions. I can't say that I've ever myself prayed with inexpressible groanings, not yet, perhaps, but I've seen it, and I know how effective it is, because we know how John Paul II interceded for the church and interceded for the world. And, and now, even as I'm sharing this story, perhaps that story is also, you know, in getting through to somebody who needs to hear this story of St. John Paul II's prayer and how this is the work of the Holy Spirit using us who cooperate with him as vessels of grace and as conduits of grace. I love that, Ken. Uh, and I'm jealous. You got to meet John Paul too, man. <laughs> that's, my, that's my hero. Man. Yeah, mine, mine too, truly. I have, I mean, that's the, the, uh, visit in which I exchanged Zacchettos with him as well. So I have a, uh, you know, one of his little white uh, skull caps from, uh, from that very morning that we prayed together with John Paul II. I mean, to me, the prayer was awesome, but celebrating Mass with the Holy Father in his private chapel is, uh, is a blessing that I carry with me to this day. Um, and yeah, to meet an actual saint, come on, that's, that's luck right there, right? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. St. John Paul II, pray for us. <laughs> yes, amen. I love that inexpressible groans too, to show that the prayer comes from the heart. Yes. That's where, it, it's not the words that you say or how many words you say. It's, it's, it's with the intensity and the love that comes from your heart. That's, that's what God wants, you know. He wants our hearts. Yep. Right? Yep. <laughs> he wants our hearts. Yeah, beautiful. Um, this, you know, all of the things that we've been talking about this this evening are kind of examples of how God's spirit transforms us from within, right? These are ways in which 
much like the Holy Spirit spoke through the prophets and the apostles, they didn't speak on their own behalf. Like we see this in the story of Pentecost, right? They were filled with the Holy Spirit and given the ability to preach the gospel in all the languages so that the message of Christ's resurrection could be preached to the ends of the world. And it's the Spirit of God that gave them the words and the ability to speak. But they themselves remained who they are. The Spirit transformed these individuals. The Spirit is the one who spoke through the apostles and the prophets as humans, right? So they retained all of their individual characteristics. Earlier, you know, as St. Paul, we read in, in Romans, it's the, the Spirit comes to the aid of our weakness, but he doesn't erase the weakness. He uses it because it's an authentic expression of who we are. We read this, you know, Moses said, don't send me, Lord, because I'm, I, I can't even speak well. And so, yet we don't think of Aaron as the leader of Israel. Aaron was then the mouthpiece for Moses, sent by the Spirit. God uses us in our weaknesses. So if you have a lisp, God's going to continue to preach through you. Yeah. The Spirit is going to preach through you through that lisp, through that whatever your, your particular weaknesses are. They are used and transformed by the Holy Spirit. And this word transformed is critical, right? It's actually changing us and building upon who we are. But it's not just covering us over. It's not just erasing us. Martin Luther talked about Christians being like snow-covered dunghills. Uh, he said, you know, we're not actually washed clean. We're, we're actually just God—Christ's mercy just covers us. No, the Spirit transforms us from within. We are growing into holiness through the action of the Holy Spirit. And that begins at our baptism. When we are incorporated into Christ, we are, our transformation into Christ begins, right? We are incorporated ever more into Christ's being through the gift of the Holy Spirit and the graces that he sends to us. Yeah, and God uses us despite our weaknesses. Right? You know? Yes. You know, the, the famous the Catholic teaching, right? Grace does not destroy nature, but heals, elevates, and perfects our nature. Right. But like you beautifully said, it doesn't erase our weaknesses. Right? So the weaknesses can't be excuses for not doing great things for God. God can use us despite our weaknesses. And St. Paul acknowledges that all throughout his letters. Yep. You know, so. Amen. Yeah, so let's let's rely more on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen to that. Well, Deacon, we've run out of time, as is our custom. We've uh, we've gotten caught up in the spirit, as it were. But <laughs> yeah. uh, we we do invite you to listen to previous episodes of the show, the previous conversations here, especially about the Holy Spirit. Go to materdeiradio.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook. We are at Living Stones Media. But Deacon, until we gather next week, might we uh, have a blessing? May Almighty God bless you and keep you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com.